Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. Well, I am just going to plow through the issues of the day here, um, many of which uh, we're, we're going to talk about Joe Biden, some of the pressure on him to hold his first press conference. It's been um, about 40 days now, and he has not done that. A little bit unusual. And uh, we're going to go through some COVID news and some uh, election reform news and, and, you know, kind of at the core, uh, the, the cornerstone of all this, ladies and gentlemen, is politicians lying. Uh, I know the L word is not something a lot of people like to uh, use. Um, they misinform, misled, whatever. But um, I, I'm reading these articles, uh, these news reports this morning, the issues of the day, and I just, it is a permeating theme with me. This guy's lying, that guy's lying, this lady's lying. And uh, so I thought it would be appropriate, um, as we often do here on Reshaping America, uh, to start out with some scripture about lying. Uh, do not swear falsely by name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. That is Leviticus 19.12. Zechariah 8.17 says, Do not plot evil against your neighbor and do not love to fit, uh, swear Excuse me, falsely. I hate all of this, declares the Lord. Proverbs 14.5, A truthful witness does not deceive but a false witness pours out lies. A couple of more. Proverbs 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who pours out lies will not go free. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness, Exodus 23.1. So oftentimes, um, your angst, my angst, our frustration uh, is largely because we just feel that people are getting away with lying, misleading, being disingenuous, and we feel that there is absolutely no retribution. Although we all know as followers of Christ, the Lord says, vengeance is mine. And that can either be after um, that person is dead or it could very well be on this side of the clouds. But um, it is frustrating nonetheless to watch people year after year after year insult your intelligence or my intelligence by, you know, going out and just putting out a false narrative, being supported by others in the media to kind of prop up that person or that entity. And um, we as Bible-believing, faith-based voters or people that at least try to pay attention to the truth and live by the truth, we look at these things and we just say, um, wow, when is that person going to be called out on that? And, you know, we have a story uh, in a little bit here about Andrew Cuomo um, and Governor Newsom in California. These are these are two politicians that have... Um, been less than truthful over the years, particularly Governor Cuomo. And it seems like, you know, uh, Governor Cuomo is getting his comeuppance a little bit, but uh, this is the cynical side of me. 
when when people say that there's an investigation here or there or there's rumblings of a recall in California, they have a mechanism by which they can and they are uh, trying to recall Governor Newsom for his heavy handed, iron fisted way of handling the pandemic. But uh, in New York, I am from the great state of New York. There is no mechanism by which uh, Andrew Cuomo could be easily um, impeached, uh, if you will, or removed or recalled or removed from office, whatever you want to call it. Um, so a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, if if you crave justice um, and, and how he has handled the pandemic in many instances is just egregious, to say the least you may get some degree of solace that now he's being investigated. Uh, we have an article where um, Steve Scalise, uh, Republican from Louisiana, kind of laid out a very damning timeline that we've discussed on this show, and you've heard many shows discuss it, of um, how Governor Cuomo has absolutely bungled the pandemic um, up in the, the state of New York. But um, at the end of the day, uh, as far as um, many of these things are concerned, this investigation, that investigation, DOJ leaning on people to to look at this or look at that, it does always kind of seem that people skate. But if you're a believer in God, they don't skate. As the word tells us, every knee will bow. Um you may be able to dance around or dance on the head of a pin or get people to help you lie and forward your cause in one way or another down here on earth. But we all die at some point in time and every knee will bow. And as I said a little earlier, um, you live 70, 80, 90 years. Um, your comeuppance, if you will, will happen on this side of the clouds. And we as Christians really shouldn't be doing cartwheels when Bill Clinton falls or Hillary Clinton is exposed for this or that. Um, on the one hand, we are heartened that uh, there are people out there fighting to uncover truth and hold people accountable. But at the end of the day, um, and I've said this several times on the show, and I'm nowhere near there, but our aspiration as Christians should should be to the point where we get righteously indignant with these people and their conduct, but at the end of the day, truly feel sorry for them. And when our sorrow for them and their standing and their waywardness as it pertains to their relationship with Jesus Christ is paramount in our heart, mind, and soul, and it trumps, excuse the pun, um, any glee we get when they fall or they get defeated at the ballot box, um, then we're cooking with gas. We are growing and we are where Jesus wants us to be. So I'm just going to kind of plow through these uh, stories of the day give a little comment and then just move on because there are a, quite a number of them. And um, this first one here says, when will Joe Biden hold his first press conference? It is 90 or excuse me, 30 days and counting. Now, let me start um, before I start this. Let me give you my thoughts. We have new listeners to the show all the time. I have stated for probably uh, at least, you know, a year and a half 
my opinions of Joe Biden outside of his uh, political bent. Um, conservatives, Republicans tried to make hay with the he's demented, he needs Aricep, uh, he has Alzheimer's, all of these things that, um, ladies and gentlemen, you don't joke about that stuff. You don't you don't pull that stuff up and throw it at somebody and try to make it stick. We all have friends, family members, co-workers that are afflicted with some of these aforementioned things. You don't throw that around lightly. And um, as much as I think Joe Biden is horrible for this country, I think Joe Biden has a half century of uh, corruption and incompetence under his belt. Um, he, he has devastated many, many lives with his policy. I'm not going to go where a lot of conservatives tried to go. And, you know, they were proven wrong, at least in my opinion, in the debates. Um, if you are demented, if you have Alzheimer's, if you have lost your cognitive ability to, um, to reason to a large degree, you cannot stay up uh, on your feet 90 minutes on stage debating the the leader of the free world and doing a pretty good job at it. Now, the cynic would say the rehearsal that has to go into that, the, um, the uh, cognitive recall that he calls on, Senator Santorum spoke about this. If you have given you know, a million speeches in the last 50 years, there, there are some pathways burned in your brain that you really, you kind of know how to do it. So I, I will seed you that he has um, uh, been very prepped for many of the uh, public uh, displays that he has had to do, but you can prep somebody that's afflicted with some of these dreaded um, disorders all you want, and they're not going to stand up 90 minutes against Donald Trump and do pretty well. Um, they're just not. So I, I wanted to lay that out clearly. Many of you know my thoughts on Joe Biden, but we have new listeners, so I wanted to restate that. My opinion on Joe Biden's cognitive abilities are, are, are pretty simple. He is a 78-year-old man, and 78-year-old men uh, have diminished faculties to one degree or another. Are there glaring exceptions to that? Donald Trump is 74 and he's sharp as a tack. And we all know many people, perhaps you are in your 70s or 80s and you haven't lost a lot, uh, so to speak. Good for you. But in general, a 78-year-old man is going to be slower in his processing, in his uh, speaking, in his general affect. That's called aging, ladies and gentlemen. It is quite normal. And um, that's what Joe Biden suffers from. Now, has he had some um, procedures, uh, if you will, surgical procedures that could have diminished um, his cognitive abilities? Absolutely. And that's documented if you want to look those things up. But by and large, Joe Biden suffers from a couple of things. He has always been gaff prone. Uh, he is uh, has no filter whatsoever uh, for a politician. That's pretty amazing. Uh, yet for years, he was an endearing Uncle Joe type of a figure, and the media gave him a pass. Um, 
that is that is a fact. Uh, Joe Biden at 29, Joe Biden at 78. That is Joe Biden. Couple with that, his diminished faculties to a degree. And then you have someone that is um, a little shy, if you will, to get out in front of the public. So, you know, this article says the delay in Mr. Biden scheduling a press conference, albeit in front of largely friendly media, um, has irritated members of the White House press corps from CNN to Fox News and raised questions about Biden's campaign promise to restore respect for the press after four years of Trump's fake news attacks. Article says he talks about the role of journalists as being a critical one, and yet access to a president is really the barometer by which we judge the importance that a president assigns to the media, said Brett Bruin, a White House director of global engagement under Obama. The risk that the Biden folks run is that they tend to be very tightly in control of the conditions in which they put the president um, out. And that may work for a while, but I believe it is counterproductive to the kind of connection that both the White House needs with journalists as well as the president needs with the people. Now, I would agree with that, but you know, if you have a liability and your liability is you're an old man and you're slowing down a little bit, coupled with the fact that you are um, just a gaff machine, um, I think it's, I don't like it. I don't think it, I agree with this guy. I think it's not good um, for the public, but it, you can't blame his handlers for keeping him under wraps. Um, the difficulty with this forum, if you will, is it requires thinking on your feet. And that is something that Joe Biden at in any decade was not the best at um, he shot from the hip and that doesn't usually end well. Um, and if you think that that room is just going to be full of folks that are sympathetic to Joe Biden, that's not true either. There are some journalists that are pretty courageous and will ask some questions that are thoughtful and it will require Mr. Biden to think on his feet and be quick and um, pivot and move on. And these are things that become harder when you're 78 years old. But the reality of this is, even though this um, Obama uh, director of global engagement it, it says that, you know, you can't do this forever, you can't hide under the bed forever, uh, if you will, um, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, he doesn't have to get out there and do anything with the media. Um, look at Barack Obama. Barack Obama hated the press. Um, just ask James Rosen. Um, and it was the, the irony is that the liberal media propped up Barack Obama at every turn, yet he had disdain for them. Um, he did not, he was not an endearing figure um, back and forth with them didn't hold anywhere near as many press conferences as um, Donald Trump did. And he just, he didn't feel that he needed them. And he knew that politically anyway, ideologically, they were in his back pocket. 
And they were more than willing to sit down, shut up, roll over, whatever liberal media tend to do when a Democrat is in power. So although Joe Biden is not Barack Obama, I I don't feel that this pressing need to uh, to get out there and and prove himself is is there as much as this guy does, because let's face it, for one year, uh, you know, or, well not one year. I mean, he had to get out there and mix it up a little bit amongst Democrats, but for the last six months of the campaign, the guy hid under the bed, and we all said, "Wow, that'll never work." Now, enter in this small little problem of election integrity and corruption and fraud at the uh, ballot box. Um, you know, that that's not a, a small variable here. But end of the day, the guy got elected by sitting under the bed and uh, putting a wrap on his press conferences at 930 in the morning. So when you have a willing accomplice, if you will, in the media, that is not going to say, hey, the emperor's doesn't have any clothes on. They're not nice new clothes. They're no clothes. Um, what's with the call in a wrap at 930 in the morning? If nobody's saying that and that is not a common um, you know, uh, factoid that, that uh, people know about, which unbelievably a lot of people don't, then who's to say? that he's in trouble now because his he's over um, by a few weeks uh, scheduling his first press conference. So um, he knows that the media will prop him up. Some would contend quite literally. I'm not going to go that far. But, um, you know, it, this is something that we're, we're in a new era, ladies and gentlemen. This, these, are, um, these are crazy, tumultuous times. And um, I'm not so sure the same formula, you know, it needs to be subscribed to. Um, this says the, they run the risk of tightly controlling the conditions in what they uh, put the president out in. And, and I agree with that. You know, they there is a, a degree of yin and yang where you want to control things, but you, you don't want to be too controlling and you, you got to take the training wheels off. So, so I get it, but, um, I don't think it's uh, time for anybody on the left to press the panic button. If you will, um, article goes on to say Biden has taken occasional questions from journalists during his appearances in front of the cameras, delivering statements on COVID-19 or the economy. He has responded to reporters on his way to board Marine One before departing or returning from the White House. Um, but he has yet to conduct a solo press conference. Um, so the result is a conservative media dusting off their hiding Joe headlines from the campaign when Biden ran a low key strategy that allowed Trump to hog coverage. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, when asked when that might change during one of her regular briefings, said he will hold a solo press conference, but I do not have a date for you at this time, um, she said. So I would presume that you, you can't kick this can down the road forever. He will be heavily, heavily, heavily prepped 
for whatever the issues of the day happen to be and whatever uh, potential um, scenarios would arise, uh, lest one of the journalists step off the reservation and ask him something that's going to make him have to pause or have to think. Um, and he will be prepped for uh, such potential scenarios. And I have said this as far back as when he debated Sarah Palin. And now I watched that debate. And from my perspective, she cleaned his clock. But in general, the general public thought he did pretty well and, and thought that he was the victor. Um, I knew he would do well then. I knew he would do well against Donald Trump in the debates. And um, if if standing up and articulating points, albeit points that perhaps you and I don't agree with, if you're conservative, that doesn't mean that you did not do well. Um he did well in those forums. And if I had a crystal ball, I would think that the first time he gets out as president, takes the training wheels off and does this, I think he'll do okay. Um, and I'm just basing that on who Joe Biden has been for years. And, and as much as he's a gaffe machine, I don't like his policies, his legislation. Um, I, I would not look at him even if I disagree or agreed ideologically with any degree of confidence because he's, you know, just a little bizarre and weird and shaky. But if I look at what he has accomplished over 50 years, I wouldn't bet against Joe Biden. I'm telling you, even at the tender age of 78 years old, um, he, uh, in, in the words of, of the great Dom Giordano, great talk show host here in Philadelphia, I heard this years ago and I said, this, this really nails it with Joe Biden. He said, I have never seen a man so confident with so little to be confident of. And that is a very interesting uh, way to put it, but it's, it's profoundly accurate as it pertains to, um, to Joe Biden. Um, the article uh, kind of concludes with saying the West Wing as a result of, um, uh, okay, Eric Sanchez, former spokesman for Andrew Yang's presidential campaign, said Biden also had to deal with a difficult transition, but was now laser focused on his mission. The West Wing, as a result, will run more proactively and um, fit the narrative that the campaign set of seeking. Now, this is this is an odd choice of words, but seeking to ease the anxiety of a nation. This won't uh, compromise transparency, but merely focus the president's effort to avoid distractions while he works quickly under extraordinary circumstances. So as much as I said all of the things that I said, um, and I said those because the media is quite powerful, Joe Biden is still an effective politician. I will say this, um, it, it is ironic that he has continued this hide under the bed um, presidency, um, similarly to this hide under the bed, uh, excuse me, hide under the bed candidacy. Um, he has hid under the bed with the pandemic response, and he's been very slow in making declaratives as far as the pandemic is concerned. And we'll get to some interesting articles about Dr. Fauci and the pandemic. But um, 
at the end of the day, I, I, I do see the, um, the point of people that um, perhaps are Republicans or want to see Joe Biden fail or, or the general public if, and the big word here is if, if they start paying attention to the issues of the day, uh, it does not ease the anxiety of a nation. And our, and our, our nation is quite anxious right now when their quote unquote leader is not out in front of things talking in a forceful manner. So as much as I said, I don't think he has to press the panic button yet. I don't think he's got to worry about too much yet. You know, this is a month, five weeks into it. Um, if this continues in, you know, six months from now, a year from now, and the Orwellian iron fisted rule of people in blue states continues and it is required for the leader of the free world to come out and at least show some uh, uh, courage or some resolve in what that person says, regardless of what it is. Um, then he does have a problem because the, the anxiousness of the nation is, is, um, is starting to become something that uh, cannot be sustained. We, we cannot have this mass thing go on, as Fauci would say, three more months, six more months, nine more months. We cannot have businesses continuing to close. We cannot have children with just absolutely epidemic mental health issues because they're not back in school. And and I could go on and on and on and on and on. During times like this, even if your policies are, are not, you know, solid compare or as you or I would see them as solid, you you gotta come out and pound on the desk and at least sound forceful. And um I don't think it's time to press the panic button yet as far as Joe Biden is concerned or those of you that voted for him or want to see him succeed. But common sense would tell you at some point in time, two months, three months, four months, six months down the road from now, um, the natives, if you will, will get restless. And um, that's when this thing's going to change. You're going to see some very interesting things in this country because as much as the citizens of this country are woeful as far as their understanding of the constitution or their freedoms or their liberties as as sad as it is that very decent people intelligent people have just waited to take their marching orders from their mayor their governor their um, president um in in these issues and um as much as that stuff has occurred, it, there is a point where the 30 or 40 percent of people that just can't take this anymore are going to take this um, refusal to um, wear a mask when you're driving down the Pennsylvania Turnpike at 70 miles an hour with nobody in your car and all of these crazy things that you and I see happening in this culture. It's just not going to happen anymore. And and what what uh, this is just my opinion. I don't have a crystal ball, but I think what you're going to see is slowly but surely 
you're going to see people that aren't necessarily politicos or not necessarily rabble rousers to to resurrect an old word from the past you're just going to see rank and file common sense people and yes there are a few of them out there still they're going to start small they're going to rip their mask off when they get out of the drugstore or get out of the costco or get out of the school and they're going to walk on the water if you will and dare to not have their mask on from the uh, doorway of the establishment all the way to their car and they're going to feel really good about it Um, and they're going to start doing things like I've done I've shaken people's hands and person puts their hand out too you know these are two free individuals in the United States of America if I want to extend my hand to somebody um, which my parents told me to do when I meet people and that person has no trepidation whatsoever, we should be allowed to shake hands without some Nazi looking at us, writing our uh, license plate down and reporting us um, to one uh, governing body or another. And and when you start shaking people's hands, when you start having people over to your house and you're not worried about how many cars you have in the driveway because it's nobody's damn business how many cars are in your driveway. These are little victories that are going to start happening in the spring and summer when the weather gets nicer. And this snowball is going to go downhill and it's not going to be able to be stopped by Fauci or Biden or Kamala Harris or anyone. Now, this this is not to say that we go out of our way to do reckless things. When people don't want to shake our hand, we don't look at them with disdain. They may have 10 valid reasons not to do that. If somebody wants to put two masks on and drive down the road in a, a car alone for an hour, I don't see a lot of sense with that. But, you know, there may be a little bit of a story behind that. They may have some comorbidities. Their husband may have died. Their wife may have died. Um, uh, Friends and family. I have friends that are still scared to death and they have no comorbidities, but they've had enough friends and family close to them that have died. So, you know, it's not always cut and dry, but when these little victories start happening, when people start standing up at school board meetings and they start quoting statistics, the infinitesimal um, uh, mortality rates among children, uh, even if you do contract COVID-19, when there's pushback, if you will, respectful, civil pushback, no craziness, that's when you're going to um, see change in this country and it has to come because the these Orwellian lockdowns have destroyed it is unquantifiable what it has done to the uh, emotional and mental and economic health of every individual in this country so uh, we will get back to um, well let me just stick with COVID-19 I was going to do a article about uh, election integrity um, which if you've listened to my show for any length of time, I think that is the number one issue in this country um, of, of all, over all else. Because if you do not have election integrity, 
it doesn't really matter where you and I stand on the issues of the day. If, if everybody, um, as they should, goes to their God, their rule book, which is the Holy Bible, gleans wisdom from the Holy Spirit, and operates accordingly as far as who they vote for or, or what cultural things they um, fight against or promote. Um, if everybody does that on steroids, it doesn't matter if you go to the ballot box and it's a rigged system. It doesn't matter if 90% of the people out there are born again Christians. They vote for candidates that God would approve of. They, uh, you know, conduct themselves in a way that God would approve of, um, and, and et cetera, et cetera. But if you go to the ballot box and it's a rigged game, it doesn't really matter. So it, it all comes down to election integrity. And this article is about election integrity, but I want to keep, um, I want to keep the, uh, the, the pandemic thing going because I have some, um, articles on that. Um, this article is interesting. It says vaccination must be seen as the endpoint of pandemic restrictions. The coronavirus lockdown is quickly approaching its anniversary, and there is still no end in sight. This is in large part because our moral betters keep pushing the end zone farther and farther back. Last March, health officials urged the public to stay home for a couple of weeks to help flatten the coronavirus curve and prevent our healthcare system from being overwhelmed. 14 days passed, and though the healthcare system in some parts of the country was strained, it did not collapse. Yet the lockdown continued, additional restrictions were imposed, and those who refused to comply were punished. Almost a year later, not much has changed. The big difference is that now we have safe and effective vaccines that are being distributed um, to vulnerable people. Everyone else should be eligible for the vaccine by the end of July, according to federal health officials. That means that last remaining excuse to delay the resumption of normal activity is evaporating. And this is the money paragraph, but not if our health experts have anything to say about it. Dr. Anthony Fauci one of the nation's leading health experts warned the public last month that unless 85% to 90% of the population is vaccinated, herd immunity will be impossible and the coronavirus will still be a threat. Um, interesting that they speak of herd immunity. When you or I spoke of herd immunity six, eight months ago, we were buffoons. We were low IQ. We were Trump bots. Um, uh, how, how how simple of a concept herd immunity uh, we, we just didn't understand we weren't smart enough we didn't go to the same school Anthony Fauci did yet now they're talking about herd immunity um, Vin Gupta an assistant professor of the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation argued people should not or should still social distance and wear masks in public even after they have received the second dose of the vaccine now, how, how logical is that? Why did we get the vaccine? Um, I, I, you know, this begs the Orwellian question. Are we going to have to get a tattoo on our forehead to say that we've received it? Are we going to have to 
carry around a laminated card saying we're vaccinated in order to get into a football game or go to a restaurant. Um, you think I'm kidding, but um, there are people that are proposing things such as that. Um, you know, the the comment made here by the author that the goalposts are continuing to move is really where you need to focus. Um, people that have absolute dictatorial power in these blue states, the governor of Michigan, the governor of New York, the governor of Illinois, the governor of California, I could go on and on and on, mayor of New York City, they dig saying, I'm saying jump, and the citizens are saying how high. They get off on that because that is the personality type of a dictator. So if you think that those governing bodies or any legislative bodies in those states are going to put out a one, two, three, four, five clear guideline as to when these restrictions are going to ease, you're out of your mind. They dig the power. They uh, are absolutely flabbergasted and, and pleased with how easy ha it has been for almost a year now to roll us and get us to sit, roll over, beg. Um, here's a treat. Shut up and go under the bed again. The, the ease with which they have done that in an unconstitutional fashion is, makes them absolutely giddy. If you think in your wildest imaginations, they're going to um, uh, curtail that power by saying, yeah, when this and this and this happens, then the masks are off and you can have a nice day. You're nuts. There's always going to be something. It's going to be this vaccine's good. That one's not. This vaccine has some limitations. This one doesn't. This strain that's coming from this country, we're not prepared for this. Hide under the bed again. Oh, that strain. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, we have research that uh, says this. We have data that says that. Stay under the bed. Close your business. Um, we'll um, give you some crumbs in the form of a $600 check, and you'll think we're wonderful. Government causes the problem, and then they try to rectify the problem, and then confuse you and blame someone else for the problem that they caused. That is a classic uh, phenomenon that goes on with any totalitarian regime. So um, this article hits the nail on the head. Um, it goes on to, to quote uh, President Biden. Uh, he predicts um, this week that a return to normal might not happen until Christ Christmas. As my mother would say, Joe Biden says, with the grace of God and the goodwill of the neighbors, that by next Christmas, I think we'll be in a very different circumstance, God willing, than we are today, Joe Biden said at a CNN town hall. A year from now, I think that there'll be significantly fewer people having to be social distanced, having to wear a mask. I don't want to overpromise anything here. Of course you don't. Um, for two reasons. You have absolutely no clue, nor do your colleagues, of, of the resolve of the American people and their ability to, or, or their, their willingness to um, 
not stand for this anymore. So you you don't understand when 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 Jen Psaki comes out and says, "Hey, got a big announcement." Joe Biden says kids are going to be back in school one day a week, um, in his first hundred days, which is in March sometime. It, 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 are they that tone deaf that they thought that was not going to have some blowback even by liberals? When Joe Biden says, you know, maybe in a year this mass thing might start to go away, does he understand? Is he so drunk with power? I, I, I guess I can only presume that they pulled off such an egregious miscarriage of justice a few months ago in this election that as my friend Senator Santorum always says, they overplay their hand. When you can pull that off, you can pull just about anything off. So these comments, hey, you know, sit down, here's a cookie. And uh, in about a year, you might be able to take your mask off just under your nose. You got to keep it around your mouth. And and to say these things with a straight face, I, I really think does indicate the tone deafness, but it also indicates the absolute power that these people feel that they can wield over you and I. So um, this article contends that these vaccinations must really spell the end to this hide under the bed mentality. But I'm telling you, um, they are not going to do that. They will not do that. And these people will not give up their power over you that easily. They will not. They just won't. Um, On to this article, Fauci warns people who have received both vaccine doses against dining out or going to movies. Okay. So we go out, um, there's, there's been, uh, one of the articles here says 65 million citizens of this country have already been vaccinated. That's great. That, that is, uh, you know, largely because of Donald Trump operation warp speed, um, telling the FDA to get out of the way and, um, incentivizing the pharmaceutical industry to develop a vaccine. Now the distribution of that vaccine is led a lot to be desired that ain't Donald Trump's fault. That is the fault of the new administration that's coming in. But it is largely the fault of blue states and blue cities, if you will, with their insane uh, criteria uh, as far as dissemination of the vaccine is concerned. But back to Fauci. Fauci is an absolute self-absorbed camera hound. And he is no different than Governor Cuomo or uh, Bill de Blasio or um, the uh, uh, governor of um, Michigan, the governor of California, who's going through some real tough times now, thank God. Um, he is no different than any of these people. He, uh, he, is, he is a media hound. He's a media darling. And the media knows that um, they have elevated him to king status, and that has gotten to his ego. And he's had decades of being a bureaucrat, and he gets off on people knocking on his door and saying, "Hey, um, Mr. Fauci, can can we go back outside? Can can we go get an ice cream cone, Mr. Fauci? Can I open up my business?" So he's punch drunk with power, and as I told you um, in in the last um, segment. They're not going to stop just because you've been vaccinated. So Fauci warns you, if you've been vaccinated, 
he advises people that they must do nothing differently after vaccination, not even in the privacy of their own homes. This creates the misimpression that vaccines offer little benefit at all, said epidemiologist and Harvard Medical School professor Julia Marcus in a recent op-ed in The Atlantic. Vaccines provide a true reduction of risk, not a false sense of security, and trying to eliminate even the lowest risk changes in behavior both underestimates people's need to be close to one another and discourages the very thing that will get everyone out of this vex or out of this mess. Um, and and she is right. And 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 this really goes to the nub of it: is the end game with the vaccine to um, to stop the pandemic in its tracks and 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 stop the transmission of this, or? Is it just another thing that Donald Trump started and now it's down the road? And Fauci contends that even if you have the vaccination, you still got to hide under the bed. So if, if that's the case and the vaccine is that effective and it's safe, then what is Mr. Fauci's end game? If, it, if he tells us do not do anything different as a collective, even though you've been vaccinated, I think that's very telling. Uh, Fauci, however, has used recent media appearances to urge continued caution, saying Sunday that people may have to wear masks until 2022, even as life around the country returns to a degree of normality. Well, geez, thanks, Fauci, for telling us that we have to stare down the barrel of this insanity for almost another year. Um I, I was about to say, if you think you can get away with this with the American people, you're nuts. But if you told me in March of uh, 2020 that we'd, we'd be talking here in March of 2021 about how things are not a heck of a lot different, I would have said you're crazy. But a lot of things have happened. Power mongers have gotten away with, with murder um, figuratively, and um, as I said before, this isn't going to stop until one by one by one rank and file people say enough. And I'm seeing it when I go to stores, there are people that don't have masks on, and when that turns into two or three people, seven or eight people. 15 people. I was in an establishment the other day and I won't name what the establishment was, but let's just say it was an establishment of some pretty like-minded people. Um, and I can only assume that by the nature of what this establishment sold. I'm sure you can all read between the lines here, but I continue. Nobody had a mask on <laughs> and there were 50 people in this very small establishment, nobody had a mask on. Am I encouraging being stupid? Am I encouraging being reckless? No, I'm not. But um, common sense has to rule at some point in time. Um, and, and speaking of common sense, this next article, vaccine distribution is stalling because people are quibbling over equity. And you know, I think this is such a tragedy. There are wild disparities 
in um, the dissemination of this vaccine. Uh, The article says, ideally, vaccination sites should be open to all individuals, regardless of age or infirmity. This should happen immediately. If the need exists, strict requirements and limited windows of opportunity only hamper the process. And what the author, Kimberly Ross, here means by that is you go to red states, they seem to have really not a heck of a lot of problem with disseminating this vaccine using a common sense formula, yet not, um, you know, uh, blunting individuals who are desirous of getting the vaccine to take, you know, number 7,432 and just, you know, um, hide under the bed until we call you. So the the states that seem to have the biggest and cities, municipalities that seem to have the biggest problem with um, the dissemination of this vaccine are, what a surprise, Blue states, blue cities, Democrat-run cities. I I have personally seen and experienced in areas that were red, um, people with comorbidities, old people, young people, everybody that wants a vaccine gets the vaccine. And I have personally seen in um, major urban areas just a travesty, people that... Um, have comorbidities, people that are old, people that are desirous of getting this vaccine are not getting it. And other people, um, young, able-bodied, whatever, are just walking right in to a drugstore and getting it. And there's everything in between. Um, do I think the federal government has to put out guidelines of how to do this? No, I think it should be largely up to the states. But I think it's very telling, and you listen to the words of Ron DeSantis, when he was questioned and antagonized by a CNN um, journalist, you know, when you leave this up to the states that are red states, they figured it out. And if you leave it up to the blue states and the blue cities, you have expiring vaccines. You have this poor doctor down in Houston that was fired for giving out extra doses of the vaccine um, uh, to what the government consider wrong people. Um, He's been, you know, vindicated and he's kind of a famous guy now, but you have uh, just all of these weird uh, criteria to jump through. And if, if they're not met, they're, they're throwing vaccines in the trash. Then that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. So we are trying to, flatten the curve here, as Fauci would uh, say. I do not have enough time to go into, um, but I will urge you to do it. Um, Google Steve Scalise. Um, he's the uh, the senator from Louisiana that was um, unfortunately shot years ago and he survived. He's a good conservative. He lays out a timeline for the egregious, egregious lies and um, bureaucratic political bungling that Andrew Cuomo uh, displayed up in New York. Um, you want your blood to boil? Um, go over that timeline. I, I do not have time uh, as we're winding down here to do that. But I will say, um, if you read uh, Steve Scalise's scathing 
indictment of uh, Governor Cuomo, and they want him to testify up on Capitol Hill. Um, and, and you look at the timeline of the bungling, the incompetence, the uh, political um, scrubbing of records, if you will, um, all while Governor Cuomo is getting an Emmy for his daytime soap opera thing that he used to do with him and his brother. And he had a daily press brief briefing where in a, uh, a Fauci esque way, he just was giddy to get on the camera for an hour and just, you know, talk about his favorite person in the world, Mario, or excuse me, I said, Mario, I, I lived under Mario Cuomo when I lived in New York, but this is Andrew Cuomo. So he would talk about his uh, favorite person, Andrew Cuomo, while um, just leading the state in, in such a terrible way. It's, it's just horrible. So he got an Emmy for that. And he wrote a book also that was a bestseller. Um, that's what that's what liberals do, ladies and gentlemen. When they when they are embroiled in corruption, rather than what they perhaps should do, uh, not perhaps, rather rather than what they should do, which is say, okay, the jig's up. You got me. This is what I did. I'll go off in that good night. Forgive me. We are a very forgiving society. If, if you haven't noticed, Democrat or Republican, if you screw up and you cry and you bite your lower lip, um, it, it will forgive you. Uh, maybe that's our bad, but we'll forgive you. But this new era of, of having your hand uh, up to your or your arm, up to your armpit in the cookie jar and not crying or saying, you know, I'm going to go to rehab or this or that and the other and doubling down on your, your chutzpah, your insults, um, uh, getting an Emmy for your nonsense and writing a book. This is, this is the quintessential definition of, of injury to insult or excuse me, insult to injury. I always get that backwards. Um, and people do not like that. And, and people on the left do that when they are in trouble and the walls are closing in, they double down or as Bill Clinton used to say, deny, 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 and it only makes it worse. So we don't have time to go into, uh, and we have on this show before, um, the, uh, the just egregious bungling and mismanagement of Andrew Cuomo in this whole pandemic. But, um, I would urge you to, uh, to Google Steve Scalise and his, um, timeline for what Andrew Cuomo did up in New York. And it will really, if you're not aware of it, it will really make you, um, angry, but it would, it, it will make you just plain sad as well. So, um, this is the world we live in. Um, have faith in God. Um, there is, uh, no better place to put your time, effort, um, life other than the hands of God right now. Do not, um, do not, uh, think that your, your future, your children's future, your grandchildren's future are wrapped up in presidents with an R next to their name or Supreme court justices who happen to be uh, strict constructionists and all that stuff is kind of helpful. But at the end of the day, um, all of that stuff's going to go away and God is still God and um, trust in him, believe in him during these fearful, crazy times. And we're all going to be okay. This is Kerf Llewellyn reshaping America until next week. Have a great day.